You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, joined today with Robert Jackson, my co-host, as well as wide receiver from the University of Utah, Solomon Enos. Solo, what's going on today? What up, what up? Ready for another uh, game week? Another one at 8 p.m. <laughs> Saturday evening. Do you, do you like those you, late games? We know you love those late night games. <laughs> Absolutely. Another chance to play football in this beautiful state. That's right. And, and I mean, we, we can get into this, I'm sure, but it's senior night. So, I mean, what's what's that experience going to be like for you, do you think? Man, it's crazy just thinking that, you know, my time here is like these are the last two. Well, this is the last home game. But before last game, I was like, dang, this is the last two home games that I'm ever going to play in Rice Eccles. So, you know, it being senior night, like it. It's so surreal how like time really flies by, you know, especially when you're having fun. So, I just checked out. I just checked out the weather forecast for you for Saturday night, and obviously it can change. You wait five minutes, the weather changes in Utah, as you know. But uh, they're calling for temperatures in the 30s, but uh, <laughs> but dry. So, um, I mean, if you could. Could be, you know, if you could pick the like the perfect weather for you to play, would you prefer cold? Would you prefer warm? Would you prefer wet, dry, snow? Like, what kind of uh, perfect environment would you envision? I would definitely say warm, but here's the thing. So, I would agree, or this is my opinion. So, rain with wind is colder than playing in snow, hundred percent hands down. Rain and wind is the deadliest combo there there is to man when it comes to weather. Hundred percent. Nobody, nobody can convince me otherwise. Yeah. What was it like that on on Saturday? I mean, I I'm in the press box, so it's hard to really gauge that. But like, it seemed miserable out there. <laughs> oh man, I, I've never been in the press box, but like, <laughs> you can come join. I think me. about it though. Like, for example, just, Coach Ludwig. just think about like this: unlimited food, drinks. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, hold you, on. You have like you know, no. warmers. You got TVs <laughs> up there. You can sit around. You know, not even uh, close. You, know, you, got a, you got a waiter that you snap your fingers. <laughs> they bring you some. <laughs> so I think about that all the time. Hot like, chocolate. We're playing. We're down there playing. Like, for example, like Coach Ludd's in the press box calling plays. <laughs> so I'm just like, I always think about how he's sitting up there looking at us in the weather like all right what place should we run and we're out there running them but i mean saturday i mean when you're playing you stay kind of warm but like there's moments when you're like oh like you start shaking your arms a little bit trying to get the blood flowing um while you're playing it's not bad but once you're standing around in it or sitting in it that's that's the worst part hands down see at least you know you get the drier weather it's cold but at least you get dry this this saturday so. Yeah, it'll be cold, but at least it's not going to be like snowing or nothing's going to be like wet or anything like that. So I think it'll be fine. I, I like just if it's dry and cold, that's fine. But if it's rain and wet, nope. I mean, I'm still going to play and I, like it doesn't bother me, but I will say that that is the most. That's the coldest weather. Like people think, oh, snow, like it's snowing, it's cold outside. No rain and wind is the worst combo. hundred percent. Just miserable all around. Like there's, you can't escape it, right? Because you're just soaked and it's cold and it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got you got any uh, you got any hot food takes today for us? Man, put me on the spot. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I'm always here to defend myself when it comes to food. I'll, I'll uh, say I, I had Chinese food today, and there's one of the one of the entrees that I had. I'm not entirely sure that it was chicken. It was supposed to be chicken, but I don't oh. know what it was. So. I don't know. I haven't had Mystery. Chinese. I haven't had Chinese food in a minute. I there like, needs to be better Chinese options in Utah. Yeah, I mean, is Pan Express kind of like that? <laughs> Does that count? Because uh, like, that, I mean, sure. I, once in a while I eat Panda, but not too much because then it just starts messing up your stomach. But I don't know. I don't have. I've never been. Oh, I don't know if that. No, that's not Chinese. But pho. Uh huh. Pho is. Ooh, My girlfriend put me on pho. That is, that's fire. That stuff's good. We usually that get is. that like every Sunday. Every yeah. Sunday we go get pho. It's so chef's kiss. <laughs> What's your place? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how it's pronounced. I think it's pho toe, but it's supposed to look like, it's supposed to look like a photo. I don't know what it is. It's down in uh, Taylorsville. Um, 
but she put me on with that. And like at first, I was kind of skeptical, like when you pour the broth over raw meat and it cooks it. But like once I tried, I was like, she put me on. I would choose that over ramen any day. Ramen's good. Oh but, yeah. But yeah, I I would take pho any day. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why. Like I I used to tear up ramen, and then once I when she introduced me to pho, I was like, oh, no more ramen for me. <laughs> Have you, have you gotten into the end? I mean, you've been here for a while, so have you gotten into the, the cookie wars or the, the soda wars? I mean, I, I can't imagine you drink a ton of soda or cookies, but. No, I. Okay, I'm not here to question anybody's taste or anything, but well, we got I a hot did. Take I was on t- huh? I said we got a hot take coming. Yeah. So I was on TikTok and um, there's this thing going around like sodies or whatever. And people will drink like sodas with like creamer or, yeah, or something like that. There's some weird. That, I I don't know. Like I'm a very like I love sugar like candy and anything like that. But I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could do that. Like creamer and soda and I don't know if I could do that. I, I heard about it. I don't know if it's true, but I think it is true. I think that's a thing in Utah. Yeah, my mother-in-law bought me one one time. She she was getting drinks for everybody, and she came and it had like the cream in it or something. I was like, "What is this? This is like the weirdest experiment." I mean, it was. I mean, it was fine. Like, right? Like, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite drink, but it was just kind of like this doesn't. Uh, I don't know. To me, it doesn't mix. But I know there's a lot of people that enjoy it. Rob, you had that before? I haven't. You know, I'm more of a classic. I just prefer the the regular old diet coke. I don't know if you can see that. My background's blurred, but uh, yeah, just just regular old diet coke for me. I guess. But y'all have heard that though. I just I yeah no. They do like the dirty sodas too, where they add like the coconut syrup and all sorts of like they try to make it like a pina colada. Um, Not my thing, but some people do it. You know, a lot of it just sounds like a lot of sugar right there. (laughs) Right. Right. Just, well, it, while while you're drinking your 44 ounce soda, they they sell you the, those nice big you know circle cookies with a ton of frosting on them, or uh, donuts, or you know any other sugary treats. So while you're drinking your sugar, you can wash down even more uh, while eating it. <laughs> so. But no, I didn't answer that. Uh, is it crumble? Mm-hmm. Crumble's pretty good. Yeah, I like crumble. I, I can tear up some cookies from there. That's <laughs> you give me a good. They're glass they're of dangerous. Milk. They're dangerous. Yeah. No no sodies. But with some milk, I can tear up a box of crumble cookies, 100%. I had to go to a, a work event, and they gave us dirty dough. I've, that's the first I'd ever heard of it. And it's like uh, filled cookies. They have you know, their sugar cookies or whatever it may be, and then they fill it with something. And they've, they've got all kinds of stuff. It was the messiest cookie I've ever eaten. But, I mean, it was fine. It was, it was like a cupcake cookie, kind of? Kind of. It's, like, really thick, <laughs> and it has, like, a bunch of filling in the middle. It's almost like a filled donut, but a cookie, right? Ooh. Which, you know, can be good. It was just, it, I don't know. You, you almost needed like a fork and a knife just to be able to eat it and consume it. Like, mm. where, where are we getting with desserts where I have to like be proper or something, right? Like just Yeah, that something. is creative though. <laughs> if you think about it, that is creative. But I'll just go with the basic crumble. Give me some milk the, with it and we rolling. That's right. Is that the Seinfeld where they eat the chocolate bar with a knife and fork? Am I dating myself with that? Solo's <laughs> probably not even old enough to know Seinfeld. Who? I know what Seinfeld is. I okay. just never watched it. Ah. Somebody, somebody <laughs> was mentioning uh, a song that was being played at another stadium in the country, and there it was, uh, you know, "Hey Ya" from Outkast, and mm-hmm. uh, they're like, "This song came out in 2003," which means that most of the people on the field playing right now weren't even alive when it happened, and that 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 hurt. That cut. That cut me. Wow. So. <laughs> I was I was alive to hear it. I mean, I was years old but i was still jamming singing uh, it probably i was in college man like that i apologize <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm starting to get to the age where my kids are like closer to your age than than i am so oh man <laughs> uh, now we've you're not even that old uh, I'm, I'm oh put, wait how old are you josh i, I just turned 38 so yeah, you're 38 years young. That's right. Haven't quite hit that 40, you know, almost dead stage yet. So, oh yeah, we definitely talked about ages last time, huh? I think we so. talked about it before, huh? I think so. Yeah, Rob. Rob's a little bit older than me, just a tiny bit. He's 38 too. What? What, when, what month is your birthday? It's October. I just barely had a October. birthday. Yeah, so I'm like five or six months ahead of you. Paving the road. Paving the road. <laughs> Get my AARP membership. <laughs> and I'm all the way in the back. You're all the way in the back. Yeah. Hey, enjoy it, man. Once it's funny, like once uh once you hit thirty, 
everybody was like, oh, once you hit 30, your body starts breaking down. I'm like, there's no way. And legit, you hit 30 and it just, it, it's done for. It's not when you hit 30, it's when you start having kids. Well, that's um, because I mean, they just take so much and uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing, you know, to be able to, to have that opportunity, but it, it's a lot of work. And uh, yeah, for me, yeah, I didn't have kids until I was 33 and that's when I took, yeah, no more, no more church basketball for me. I can, my niece can't take them. <laughs> as long as you can still golf. That's yeah. all you need. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hit up Top Golf. We could do that. There you go. That's Let's right. <laughs> this is what you Top came on to. This podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's either that or the AARP. So we got our yeah, choice. We're talking about sugary treats. The Top Golf. <laughs> they have the donuts where you inject like the the raspberry those or are chocolate good. sauce into the donut. Those are those are legit. Yeah, they, <laughs> I could go for a round of those right now. They they did those right, hands down. So good. Mm-hmm. I'm down with all this. <laughs> All right, I guess I guess no more food talk. We we've got uh, our uh, you know AARP membership cards coming in the mail soon. We've got food takes. We've got anything but football apparently. So I'll be prepared to bring a hot take next week. <laughs> Done. It'll be a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's let's recap uh, a Saturday. Obviously, it was cold. We talked about that, but uh, you get Arizona. It's a team that obviously has been in 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 a rebuilding mode. They've I think Jed Fish is is a really good coach, and he's he's done a lot with that program. Uh, offensively, I think they're they're far more efficient than they are defensively, but they're still not quite a complete package. But I mean, they're they're a dangerous threat. And and uh, last year, I mean, you guys were really close in in a game with them. This year, you guys handled them pretty well. Just kind of what was what was this game like for you, and and just kind of what did it mean in in terms of how this season is has been. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game, great environment, even though the the weather was there. You know, grateful that a lot of people still showed up and supported and played a factor in that home field advantage that we always had. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a big game. You know, we're on a mission, and we got to do it week by week by week. So every week's the most import- important week that we got. So now we have Stanford this week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great game, needed that win. Um, you know, guys stepped up, guys made plays. You know, it's always good to see guys make plays and – step up into those roles and you know everyone clicking and you know just good vibes such a great time and you know we came out with the w so that was the icing on top you mentioned you know next man up and some of the younger guys stepping up jacundin jackson had a you know pretty awesome game almost had 100 yards rushing uh we saw charlie vincent get into the game late we saw um the tight end, his name is escaping me. Josh, you want to save me? Thomas Yasmin. Thomas Yasmin. Yasmin takes a, t- took it in for the touchdown. Had another 30-yard catch. Did put the ball on the turf. But, uh, you know, talk about some of these younger guys stepping up with just, you know, the injury report piling up and, you know, kind of by necessity, these other – these other and, and, you know, even quarterback Nate Jackson getting an opportunity. Um, talk about these – um, younger players kind of getting this opportunity and what it meant to kind of see them succeed when given that chance. Yeah. So, you know, these guys been, I mean, Charlie Thomas, JJ, you know, all these guys, they've been, they've been re- ready just waiting for that moment, you know, and when it came, they made the most of it. And, you know, that was the result. I mean, JJ's an athlete. You could put him anywhere and he's going to be good. I mean, nobody thought, I mean, from the outside looking in, I mean, we always, we're always watching film and see what he does in practice, but putting him at running back, he's just so natural for him. So he's been making plays at that. Uh, Charlie's just been a guy that's been keeping his head down, is always consistent, just working hard. So it's good for him to finally get a score and him getting the rock. And then uh, especially Thomas Yasmin, man, just he came in with me in 2018 and all he's done is just work, 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 you know, and now that, you know, it's unfortunate the op- why he has the opportunity. I mean, because Dalton's hurt, but he definitely deserves it. And I mean, he showed it from ASU when he had that big run and, you know, other games like that. So it's good for them to really start, you know, progressing and showing what they can do. So now they can be more involved even when guys come back. Um, Jalen Glover had a great game. He was toting the rock. O'Block did really good. We were down probably two people, I think. And they were just controlling the line of scrimmage. Nate Johnson, I mean, your first two plays of your college career, you're scoring a touchdown. I don't think I've never seen that. I mean, I wish I had that, but, uh, you know, it was just great to see guys step up and make plays. Obviously it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun environment to be able to, to work together. And obviously the offense has kind of been, uh, I would say there's more of you that are, are veteran players, but it feels like this season has been very much so something where you've almost had to change every single week with the, the guys that are available to you. 
Uh, you, you still have some core players like you and, and Vele and Cam's obviously and then some other guys, but it feels like something's had to change every single week, whether it's the running back room, tight end, something. Ha, have you felt the difference this year, or is it just kind of like you, you don't really see that until you kind of take a step back? Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the past, maybe because we've always had those those guys, and then when they would get hurt or something, and the guys behind them, it was kind of like, uh-oh. But like this year, I think, you know, even if someone was starting or not, everyone prepared the same way. So now you just throw them in and now we're rolling. You know, it's such a good feeling to have that, you know, we're that deep that someone can hop in, know what they're doing and execute at the same time. So you're not really worrying or just like screwing around, veering from your original game plan or for our case, veering away too much from how we play football at Utah. So it's good for guys to really step in and, you know, being able to rely on those guys more than anything, knowing where what to do, how to line up, how to execute it and, uh, you know, surpass expectations. So, yeah, like you said, week in, week out, we probably changed a lot, but, you know, nothing has really changed within our group or our team. It's just like in the most positive way, as I always say, next man up. And, you know, it's it's definitely been beneficial for people to really take that ownership of their role and, you know, add value that way. So when it's their time, they really step in and kill it. You, you talked about that depth. I mean, when you got into the program in 2018, Utah was, it was kind of finally getting to that point where they had enough, enough depth that they really could kind of lose people to the season, ending injuries and all that other stuff and not necessarily have as much of a difficult time. Obviously that was the year that you lost Zach Moss and, and Tyler Huntley to injuries. Um, but it, it, I mean, can you see the change that's been made? Do you feel like there's been a change? Do you do you see that happening on the on on the hill? Yeah, I mean, when I came to Utah, they were recruiting me. They were like, "We're almost there. We just need a couple more players." And I've been to the championship game every single year except for 2020 since I've been here. Um, and you got to have depth. I mean, we play a 12 game regular season, and most of them are. Well, I don't know how it is now, but most of them were conference play at some point compared to other teams. Um, so it, it's brutal. I mean, you're week in, week out, just going against the best, and it, it can take a toll on your body. You never know. I mean, you can be in that training room maintaining your body all, the whole time, but sometimes something happens and you just is out of your control. So it's good to have that depth because that depth, like I said this year, it's just it's constantly revolving. I mean, we had guys go down, go down, go down, but we got guys stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. So it's been good having those revolving guys that really know what they're doing and, and they're ready and they're hungry and they want to prove that they can play. So it's very beneficial, not only for our team to keep rolling, but that builds because you only get better as you play more and more and more. So when those guys step in and start getting reps, it only increases the value of our depth even more. It's definitely not in the later stretch. So seeing it now, it's definitely paying off from when I came in at 2018. One of the guys that you had coming back was Tavion Thomas. He had a big game. Um, um, perhaps the play of the day was him on special teams making the tackle. I think it was on a kickoff coverage. Talk about him meaning and and doing everything that he can to get himself back onto the field and and kind of how you know watching from the sideline and seeing you know somebody that was your starting running back. Uh, we don't need to get into the issues or or whatever, but talk about how his return and what it means to the team and kind of him seeing and making that extra effort on special teams kind of just goes such a long way in, in, in really setting the example for some of these younger players. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have Tavion back. Um, like you said, we're not going to dive into it not only because it's team business, but it's not my business to share. It's, it's his, you know, and you know, he's doing great. And it was, it was his um, idea to be on special teams. He wanted to be on special teams. So they were like, all right, let's do it. Like, let's see what you got. So he hopped on there and, you know, he's excited to do it. But, uh, you know, glad to see him back out there. I mean, you don't want to see anybody being from the game that they love. I mean, everyone's here because they love football, you know, and um, seeing him back in there and taking reps, running around on special teams willingly. Uh, it's good to see him. And, you know, hopefully that it's only is it only goes up from him for him from here, you know, and uh, it's just exciting to have him back. When it, when it gets to this time of the season when, you know, you're, you're obviously getting to the senior night and you're getting all these other stuff and underclassmen are trying to figure out their futures, it, how, how does that work? I mean, is there collective conversations or are these guys just kind of doing it on their own? Do they have conversations with you guys? But how, how does that all kind of play out? Are you saying like the communication between the young guys and the old guys that are about to head out pretty much? Yeah, that and, and just kind of like some of these guys. I mean, like it's, it's no secret that Clark Phillips is probably leaving early, right? Like we get it. Like he's going to the NFL. 
Um, he's he's one that we could we could target. But like when with guys that are are kind of iffy, like let's say even you know Brant and Dalton last year, they were considering going. Do do they have conversations with you guys as a team, or is it kind of really a private situation on on how that works? I mean, it's just it depends. I mean, every situation is different. Uh, you know, it is a private matter that that they probably take you know, with themselves, with their family, and then with the, you know, respective coaches. Um, I mean, I'll talk, to, I mean, I won't get into too deep of it. I talk to them and just see where their, their headspace is at. And it's just a lot of factors that play into coming back or going. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just whatever they think is best for them, their family, and what they want to do and what they want to get out of their football career. If they want to come back one more year, experience culture football one more time, or if they're, if they think they're ready to go. Um, you know, there's so many different factors that people sometimes don't even think of. Like it's, it's hard. It's people think it's easier to make the decision to leave or stay when it, it's really harder to pick whether to leave or stay, especially coming from a program like Utah. Um, you know, why not stay and play in front of Rice Cycle Stadium every Saturday and, you know, being with the guys in the locker room, I mean, you can't beat that. So it's hard to make that decision. And, you know, I, I assume it's more of a private matter because that's how I would be because I'd be torn between two parts, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it just comes down to how they feel, what their family thinks and what their coaches think as well. Cause this, I mean, it's a big point in everybody's career and plays a part in their future too, as well. Do you guys find out on Instagram or Twitter, like the rest of us, or do you kind of get a heads up sometimes, or does it depend on who, who it is and like, uh, if how close you are with them? Uh, I mean, it just depends. Like for most people, I mean, I've known before they posted it, but obviously, like, it's not my business to share. I'm like, man, you go do you, you rock it, you kill it. <laughs> yeah, or if they come back, they're like, hell yeah, like, let's run it back. Like, you know, got so much love and support from every guy in the locker room and for every guy in the locker room. Um, so it's just like, you can't be nothing but happy for, or happy for them, especially if they have the opportunity to either stay or go. That's a good spot to be in as well. Even though it's hard to pick, it's a great spot to be in. How, do, how does that NFL draft process go? I mean, sure, like, I don't know when you guys get conversations about that, like you get evaluated, different things like that. Has that process started for you guys yet, or or how does that all play out? Do you know? Oh, I don't. for me, I personally don't know. Probably for the other guys like Clark, Brent, that are probably more highly touted, they probably know more. Me, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the rest of my college football days, man. Just taking it day by day, just being where my feet are and just – enjoying every single moment of it because you know it's it came by fast and you know just loved every second of it so i'm just taking in enjoying every second of it whatever happens after i'll let you know <laughs> but you know in this moment i'm just enjoying college football man just weekend week out we got two three game three games left home stretch so that's what we're working at now your uh, your last home game comes against a Stanford team that's kind of had an up and down season. Their their big win was obviously beating Notre Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Notre Dame obviously just beat Clemson. Um, so I mean we don't know how good Stanford can be, but they have also just lost two straight. They lost to a team that you just beat the week before Washington State. They lost I think it was like fifty two to fourteen. Talk talk about what your what what would you like to see going into your last home game? Like what what is it like? Is it something on the field? Is it some? Is it just being in that at Rice Eccles atmosphere? What would like make your day as far as like the perfect home game, the home finale for Solomon Enos? Just the win. Just win. <laughs> yeah, yeah ultimate team player right there. <laughs> just the win. You know, we're on just the circumstances that we're in. I mean, I know it's gonna be my last home game and everything like that, but we still got a job to do. I just, I just want to win. And, uh, you know, adding on to that, you know, Stanford, they play better than what their record shows. You know, you watch on, you watch the film, they got athletes and, you know, it's just, I mean, another week that we have to prepare, like it's the championship game, you know, this last stretch is going to be, it's crucial for us. So we have to prepare, like everything's on the line, you know, and uh, they're a great team and they're coming in our stadium. And, uh, you know, we got to play top football and just come out with a W. But, yeah, I mean, for my senior night, all I wanted is to win. That's all that matters to me. Speaking of championships, obviously you guys are still in contention for a Pac-12 uh, championship appearance. It would be your fourth in five seasons, right? Mm -hmm. 2020, mm -hmm. the only one. Uh, like you mentioned, you've been to all of them, basically. Um, and it's it's been quite the, the interesting ride to be able to see that. It, obviously, that's a goal, right? Like, I don't want to say that it's not a goal for you guys to get there, but how, how much is that on your mind when you're going into these weekly things? Do you do you get caught up in that, trying to figure out 
you know, what you guys need to do or, or how does that all work out? I mean, it's just, that just falls into the point of not looking too far ahead. We know we have to win this game. We know we have to win every single game or however it is to get to the championship. But it starts with this game first. You can say, oh, we have to win all of them and then, you know, not focus on this one and whatever, whatever. I'm not going to put it out there. But, I mean, it's crucial that we take every week seriously, every day seriously, and focus on one week at a time. Like this week is just stand for. We're not worrying about anything else after um, in the past, nothing like that, you know, because it all happens this weekend. You know, every game is so important and crucial. So, uh, you know, we just got to lock in, do what we got to do, prepare, and we treat this game like the championship game. How hard is that to do, though? I mean, like, you obviously know what the schedule is. You know what teams are ahead of you. Uh, how hard is that to kind of stay focused in on, an, on a week-to-week basis? For me, well, when I was younger, it's, I, I think it was harder because when I came in and as I got older, being a vet now, it's easier to focus one week at a time, you know. And um, But, yeah, it, it can easily be overlooked from, you know, you scrolling on Twitter and you're just reading it or just all over social media or whatever. I mean, it's all over the place, but like you really, you really got to lock in and take each week seriously, like each day by day, like just be where your feet are. Don't look too far ahead. Don't look in the past. Like every day is, you can't waste a single day when, especially in circumstances like this. Um, But for me, it's pretty easy. I mean, we're playing Stanford this weekend and then whatever's after that happens after that. You know, I don't really pay too much attention about anyone on the outside who's playing what this, that, and the other, like, we have to do our job and that is when every single game and it starts this week, you know? Any message for the fans on Saturday, uh, it being senior day, anything that you want to um, say to Utah fans that you've had the opportunity to play in front of for the last, you know, since 2018, uh, just kind of turn the time over to you and kind of let you say anything that you would like to uh be grateful for or memories or you know just kind of uh, give you the opportunity to uh, have the platform and kind of share anything that you might want to, to to Utah fans that might be listening yeah I'll keep it I'll keep it short um whoa so it's four years five seasons you know I've been grateful for every single moment I mean I grew so much as not even a football player but as a person as well uh, I met so many great people like you two, for example, I met so many great people and great fans. And, you know, I never felt so much support from people, from people that I never even knew my whole life until I got here. Um, you know, I'm glad NIL came out cause then that gave us a chance to really meet more people and start branching out, making relationships. And, you know, I, you know, I'm very grateful for my time here at Utah. You know, I definitely grown as a man, um, people I've met and just playing in rice cycle stadium and just, you know, playing the game that I love and, and going to school and getting my degrees and, you know, winning games and winning championships, man, I can't, couldn't ask for anything else. So, you know, for anyone listening to this, I appreciate y'all. Um, I mean, I know it's my last game we got or last game at home and three games left, but it ain't over yet. So I'm not going to really spill my heart out just yet. But uh, yeah, man, just grateful and just blessed, honestly, just for being in this position and, and doing what I love to do. Um, but I appreciate y'all for you know, being there along, along the way. And, you know, um, yeah, I mean this Saturday, I hope everyone comes early because I know we'll have the senior night walks or whatever, how it usually goes. So hopefully you guys can come out. Fans can come out early. I know it's going to be a little chilly. So make sure y'all layer up, obviously, like let's be smart. At least it's not going to rain or snow, but if you layer up and have the right stuff, you're going to be all right. Um, but we love to have everybody there, especially for all the seniors, not only myself, but everybody else that's walking as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully come out with the W and we can celebrate and then move on to the next one. So we appreciate it, man. Like, honestly, like it's, it's, it's great to be able to catch up each week. And obviously this isn't the end of, of your time here on the podcast. We've got a couple more weeks and, and you've got more to show with, with bowl games and other stuff, but we, we do appreciate it. I think you give us great insight. You've got a good head on your shoulders. And, uh, I think it's always great to be able to have that, that insight to kind of peel back the curtains a little bit. And obviously there's things that are, uh, you know, uh, we'll say that stays intimately with the program and you guys want to keep that there. But I, 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 for, for me personally, I appreciate being able to have that and being able to, to kind of see what, what happens on the field and, and, and kind of back it up with what you're able to say. So, uh, for me, like I appreciate it and, and the opportunities that we get to be able to chat with you each week. 
No, I appreciate I agree, it, man. I agree with everything Josh said as well, but he said it more eloquently than I. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> no, I enjoy our weekly hot takes on food and everything. You know, it's a good way to start the week, honestly. Just kind of get away from football a little bit, get a couple laughs in, and then talk about football, and then go through the week and then recap it. You know, it's, it's definitely a great uh, routine to be in. And, you know, I appreciate y'all for constantly having me on. And for the people that are listening, grateful for y'all to keep listening and subscribing and sending it to everyone, especially your your auntie and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I just appreciate the whole show and I appreciate y'all the most. Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you and uh, good luck on Saturday. Appreciate y'all. See y'all later. Have a good one. Right, take care. Gotta love it. It, it, it's hard. I, I think they just changed kickoff time to 7.30. I just got a buzz <laughs> on my phone. So if you are going to the stadium, make sure that you're there by 7 or 7.30 getting your seats early. So I did no, that. It, it's, just, it's a sign of respect for these for these seniors. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you pointed out something that's been so glaringly obvious that I hadn't even thought of. It's like he's been to the Pac-12 championship game every year except for the COVID year. Like, that's incredible. Like – you know, from, from, for a player's perspective, like, Oh my gosh, like I've literally been every year and yeah, they, they, uh, they, they faltered their first three attempts. Um, they, uh, got smacked around by Washington, you know, they didn't have a healthy roster, got smacked around by Oregon, you know, and then they finally were able to turn the table and be the one doing the smacking. And, um, the, the reward was, you know, an opportunity to go to the Rose bowl. So I, I, that, that to me is the most, telling stat over the last you know five years of utah football is they've been to that championship game so many times um and all of that while he's been here i and he's not going to take the credit because he's such a team player but a lot of it is due to his run blocking and you could see him you know even on saturday against arizona you could say that arizona doesn't have a great defense whatever it might be whatever but his his run blocking was solid and really created the running lanes for Jaquindon, for Jalen Glover, for uh, Micah Bernard, um, and eventually Tavion Thomas and Charlie Vincent um, to to find those running holes. And that that was the difference in the game is Utah was able to control control the ground, uh, control the clock. Um, I think they won the time of possession pretty handily, uh, forcing a lot of Arizona three and outs as well on the, on the other side. So. Um, great win for Utah. Uh, the the opponent difficulty is probably still on par this week. You know, we don't know a lot about Stanford, right? They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, so I think defensively, we should expect them to be pretty good. Offensively, I don't know. I I, they, I mean, <laughs> you, you you beat you beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but and then you lose to Washington State by forty points. So I I don't know what to expect on Saturday. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird game, right? Like, it's one of those games where, on paper, this is a game where Utah should roll, right? I mean, they're favored. It started out at 14.5, and, and now it's up to, like, something like 23. Uh, it's it's a game that, you know, shouldn't be that close. But these are the dangerous games, right? These are the games that very well could kind of nip you in the butt and, and, and everything and uh, kind of really hurt your opportunities, especially with Utah being where they're at in the in the conference standings and having a chance to be able to be there setting up a uh, showdown in, in Eugene next week, honestly, with, with Oregon. And, uh, you know, if Utah wins that game, quite honestly, they're in the Pac-12 championship game. Like, there's there's things that still have to work out and, and everything, but, like, they control their own destiny. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting scenario to be able to watch this season. It, it, in a lot of ways, it's very much so like that 2018 season where you have a lot of potential, you have a lot of guys that are, are able to do a lot of good things, but they've just lost so many guys, uh, you know, on offense, on defense. They just lost Van Villinger today to a season-ending injury, not today specifically. I mean, he was he was out last week, but, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Like, in a lot of ways, even if Utah does get to that Pac-12 championship game, they're limping there, right? Like, they're kind of getting in there and holding it together with, with duct tape and, and anything else that they get. But for the, the simple fact of, of a recruiting standpoint, you can say, look, four out of the five years – we've been able to get to the Pac-12 championship, even when we're, you know, struggling in, in, in depth play and, and all this other stuff comes into play, we've gotten there. And and I think anybody that watched that 2020 season is going to look at that and say, oh, that's fine, right? Like, outside of that, Utah's in a great spot. So, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting scenario for Utah. They've got a, a good schedule that's lined up for themselves. It's been a competitive schedule, right? In, in fact, you know, when I was doing the tiebreaker rules with uh, with all this stuff to see if Utah would be in the championship game if they won out, when you go against Oregon and UCLA in that path, right, let's say UCLA beats USC, 
uh, in, in the game next week. That sets up a three-way tie. And, and quite honestly, in a very raw strength of schedule type of way, Utah's had a little bit tougher schedule than those two other programs. So it benefits Utah. They've done well with what they've got. They've found guys that have been able to step up. Obviously, like you mentioned, a lot of those guys stepped up last week, and, and you rolled, right? 52 to 10, essentially, and then you give up 10 points in the last two minutes of the game uh, on a fluke muffed punt that turned into a safety and then a touchdown that was kind of inevitable at that point. So you, you have to be proud about what, what Utah's done if you're a fan uh, and being able to see what's there. It's, it's clearly not a, a perfect team this year. There's a lot of mistakes that, that need to be cleaned up, but they're finding ways to be able to do it. They're finding guys to be able to do it, and, and, and it's, been a, it's been effective. One of the storylines for me in that game, obviously, other than the Tavian Thomas, we already touched on that with Solomon Enos. Um, for me, was the defense. You know, Arizona came into this game averaging almost uh, what was it? Uh, they were averaging almost 500 total yards of total offense, 320 on the ground, and Utah was able to keep Jane Delora pretty much bottled up. He finished with 159 yards passing. Um, Jacob Kelling. Uh, a lot of their wide receivers weren't able to get going. They gave up a late touchdown with, with your second and third string defense. But uh, for me, the way that their def- Utah's defense responded, and a lot of the question marks were, you know, can Utah's defense keep up, right? You know, and we saw them get, um, not exposed is the wrong word, but they were, you know, finding a hard time in slowing down UCLA. They found a hard time in slowing down USC. Um, and then, you know, they seem to have corrected it the last two weeks. They, they gave up very little to Cameron Ward. You know, he was, um, like 27 to 31 for like 200 yards. It's like the most unnoteworthy 200 yards you'll ever see in, in a game. Uh, and, and then this week against James Laura, another, you know, um, dual threat quarterback, they really contained him and really kept him, um, from getting into a rhythm. Um, and you, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the weather did play a factor in, in, uh, throwing the ball for both teams, but Utah really eliminated the wide receiving threat. And in fact, most of the success that Arizona had on the ground was on, uh, running on the outside. And it, it was a little head scratching why they got, got, got away from that, uh, uh, as early as they did. Cause it wasn't really, uh, the game wasn't over by any stretch, and then they just kind of went into desperation mode and and tried to huck it up every single play. So it was it was also, interesting to see. Can Utah's you talk defense. about their fourth and twenty decision? Like that made absolutely no sense. Uh, to, to take a sack of ten yards <laughs> on fourth and twenty, yeah. Like I I don't know what you're doing. You're you're doing right there. Like the game was far from over at that point. Um, I feel like that in a lot it, of ways kind of changed the tide, right? Like I'm not saying that was the uh, one key factor, right? Utah was rolling and they were doing well, but. It was just kind of this weird moment where Utah kind of got gifted an opportunity, a little bit more field advantage than than maybe they would have gotten on a punt or something, and it, it didn't make sense. Like the the odds for that to be successful just aren't there. And if it works, great. Like you just got a fourth and twenty, and that's phenomenal. But I, I I don't know if they just put so much stock in their offense because of how good their receivers have been this season that they felt like that was it. But I mean the reality is is Utah had better defenders, right? They had better secondary. You know, a guy like Zamaya Vaughn stepped up and had a phenomenal game. He was he was everywhere for him uh, on Saturday and, and and did really well. Uh, he's he's one of those players that's kind of been in the background and and lurking a little bit. He's gotten some time last year when when some uh, DBs went down. But, I mean, he's really taken it upon himself to really improve, and, and you saw that, right? Like, against one of the better offenses in terms of passing, the, you know, Utah's secondary did really well. You know, you, you have to be proud without, of that. You know, that was one of their starting safeties and R.J. Hubert, who exactly. was sitting out the first half with targeting, um, the carryover from targeting against Washington State. So, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're facing a, a, a dynamic triple threat, uh, you know, wide receiver group, and they – did as well as you could have asked, you know, and you go back to that fourth and 20 and it was a, it was a seven point ball game at the time. Utah gets the sack, they get the ball uh, on the 40, they go the 60 yards and five plays uh, to, to make it 21 seven. And then they go five plays the next drive. Utah turns it into 28 to seven. I mean, at, at that point, the game's over, right. Um, when, when Utah goes up 21 points, but uh, it, 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 yeah, a little bit of a head scratcher. And you, you saw a few things where, you know, Arizona played well, you know, they, they I don't think that they're you know, a, a dysfunctional team or program, like, you know, maybe like a Colorado where just everything is just, you know, in complete disarray. They do have a good offense. And for Utah to play as well as they did was, 
I think, uh, a testament to the work that uh, Morgan Scali has been doing on trying to to minimize, you know, um, some of the deficiencies that they may have um, had earlier in the season. And, and that's what you would hope with a young team. You want the the players to start playing and performing better at a high level. And that just comes with reps. I mean, you, you figure Lander Barton's playing his first snaps you know, of his collegiate career. <laughs> and, and a lot of, a lot of those, you know, guys on the, on the defensive end, Connor O'Toole was playing wide receiver last season, you know, and here he is playing defensive end. So a lot of these guys are going to get better with reps. Um, it's, it's unfortunate to see Van Fillinger be done for the season. Uh, Utah needed uh, depth on the defensive line, but uh, I guess if you were to pick a position to um, that where Utah has the the most depth, it probably would be on the defensive line. I don't know. What what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you know with the guys that they've been able to cycle in through there, I don't think it's as much of a loss as as maybe some other position groups. Uh, obviously, I would say like a Brant Keithy on the tight end group was was a bigger loss, even though you did have Dalton Kincaid and you've got other guys in the background. But I think the the level of competition and and the kind of the equal equal I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say that just the equal level of play with all those group sub players there I think it's it's pretty on par and I and I think you know it's a it's a loss to be able to lose Fillinger he was he was starting to come into his own I mean he's still learning and, and trying to get into it and so it's a big loss for him but you know I mean I think all around you have to you you know if you're a Utah fan you have to be proud of 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 what this this team is accomplishing this year, especially on offense. The fact that you had two fumbles in that game and you still managed to score 45 points and you did it without, you know, quite honestly, a perfect game, right? Cam was off. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't hitting his targets. Uh, it, it wasn't really a solid game for him. Um, and still you had your running back step up who are still guys that are learning in the system, right? Like Jalen Glover's a freshman. I think that was his sixth game that he's gotten reps um, and, and being able to do different things that way that, that he, you know, is, is learning and Jaquindon Jackson moving over from quarterback to running back and you're getting Nate Johnson in there to, to get, you know, two touchdowns on, on his first two carries as a, as a, as a collegiate athlete. And so, you know, I think, you know, if you're happy, if you're happy about, you know, all that stuff, I, you know, take this season for what it is because it, it, maybe Utah doesn't get to the Pac-12 championship game again. And, and I think based on everything that's happened this year, I don't think many people would be surprised if they didn't get there. Right. I think, Going into Eugene next week is going to be a difficult task. Obviously, you still have you know Stanford this week, and you've got Colorado at the end of the season that that can still lay a trap. But uh, you know this is what they're playing for, right? They're trying to play for that, and and I think it works. But based off of this, I I want to get your take because you you've been a fan of the program for a very long time, and you've seen the ups and downs. You've you've ridden this as long as anybody else that's that's been here. But you see last week where Utah absolutely de- you know, destroyed Arizona you know, in 45-20. to 20. It, Like I said, it could have been 45-10. And then you go see the AP poll rankings that come out yesterday. And, and admittedly, I put Utah in the same spot. I dropped Utah to 13. Um, and it wasn't a, a scenario of, of me saying that Utah wasn't good enough to be up there, but it was more just kind of who was above them. Do you think that's a sign of disrespect that Utah did so well and then they dropped to 13? Or... Do you just see it kind of a really tough top 10 type scenario where it's making it difficult for Utah? Kind of what are your thoughts on, on all that? Uh, It's, it's a, it's a difficult top 10 and you look at Utah used to be the highest ranked uh, two loss team. Now you have Alabama and LSU and probably deservedly. So the, the, the Alabama um, they, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, they could probably have five losses and still be in the top 25, just based on what Nick Saban has done in his career. And you, you can say that's bias or sec. It, it's not really an sec bias, but more of a Nick Saban bias. Generational and, you bias. Know, you, <laughs> you, uh, you win that many games and that many championships since what he took over in 2007, won his first championship in 2009. I want to say, it was the year after the Sugar Bowl that Utah beat them. Um, yeah, to, to me, that's, uh, it, it's tough. And, you know, and LSU just beat Alabama. So, you, I mean, you have to put them in the top 10. Um, you know, if, if LSU hadn't lost week one to Florida on, you know, a fluked snap on an extra point, um, you know, perhaps they're in the top four. And we're, ta- we're talking playoff possibilities. But there's still a lot of football to play. There's still three weeks. I mean, Oregon still has to play Utah. USC has to still play US- UCLA. So, we're going to see some more shakeups um, uh, and we'll kind of see what exactly is happening to the, the one to me that finally is getting the credit that they're, they're kind of, they keep winning, 
And because they're not blowing out opponents or their, their strength of schedule hasn't been as impressive as TCU. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's awesome to see them finally in the top four. I don't know if the college football committee tomorrow night will, will agree with me there, but I think you know, they're unbeaten, you know, sure. If you want to put them the, uh, as the weakest of the top four that are unbeaten, fine, you know, go for it, but they, they deserve to at least be in the discussion. Uh, but for Utah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it sucks to get jumped because you don't have, you have maybe one more opportunity. You have an opportunity, assuming you take care of business on Saturday, you'll have the opportunity to go on the road to play a top 10, maybe top five Oregon team. Um, and at that point, if you win, how much do you move up? I don't know. I, you know, maybe you cut the difference and you're, you're down to the 10th or 9th. I don't know. But uh these other teams are having that uh, those good games against those other good opponents, and so you have to jump them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're still they're still ranked ahead of a lot of one loss teams and some two loss teams as well. Um, you know, so it, it, it's not doom and gloom. It, um, just keep taking care of business. Uh, but I I do see the only path to a New Year's Six game really being the Rose Bowl. So at this point, the rankings are kind of moot. Like, well, you can, you make it to the championship game and you lose. Per, let's say I don't think you're going to make it to a New Year's Six game. So I don't think that that matters at this point. Yeah, you might you um, might get a Cotton Bowl if you're lucky. I mean, if you don't get out in the Rose Bowl, but I mean, a lot has yeah, to go it, in Utah's re- favor. Yeah, it would require significant chaos, right? Well, sure. And, and we just haven't we haven't seen that. We've seen no. we've seen these teams like normally we're talking, um, you know, a lot more teams that have a couple of losses, and here we're see we have four perfect teams, and here we are on week ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's impressive, you know. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen that through ten weeks before. Um, so it, it, yeah, I mean, for Utah. Yeah, just like Solomon was telling us, you got you got to take care of business against Stanford. You can't sleep walk on them. They obviously just beat Notre Dame, who happened to beat Clemson, who happens to be ranked one spot ahead of Utah. <laughs> Clemson's one of those teams that you know you watch them, they they just don't pass the eye test. Something no. is obviously wrong. Um, Their offense—that's what it is. Can, yeah, you know. Anyway, um, but you know, this 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 is where the the meat of the Pac-12 schedule comes down is that next week, and the Pac-12 just announced that it's going to be on a six-day selection. It's going to be a late uh, evening on Fox or a late night on ESPN. So kind of the same options that were available for the Stanford game uh, will be available for that Utah uh, Oregon game. So they're going to have the six day selection notice, but we will know that it's going to be either at six or eight. Is that right? I, be- I believe um, so. Six on Fox or eight on ESPN. So it probably just depends on who wins um, this week. Um, I, I would assume that all, everybody's going to take care of business and it's going to be a, uh, a monumental week next week for the Pac-12. And it's been a while since the Pac-12 can say that they've had one, let alone two must-watch games this late in the season. So um, we'll see. Uh, say some some of the other news that's going around, I don't know if you saw the Dan Patrick report that's saying that San Diego State, um, his sources are saying that San Diego State will be invited to the Pac-12 within the week. Uh, John Wilner has obviously refuted that. Uh, some of the other national sports writers have I refuted it I wouldn't say that he well. refuted it. I think he just said it's not as likely, right? Well, or, or based on the time, right? Yes, so yes. if it's going to happen after the, the, the media rights deal. It, it, we've talked about this before. It, you know, it, San Diego State is obviously one of the best fits, uh, if not the best fit for the Pac-12 as far as expansion candidates go. But you can't just add them by themselves. No. Unless you're well, – I mean, you, you could. You could. Hear, but... hear me out. Hear me out. Let's say for whatever reason the regents say, hey, UCLA, you are you can't go. I That's not going to happen. But if they did, then you have UCLA and San Diego State as conference buddies, travel partners. That that would be huge. That's your best case scenario right there. Um, USC's already out the door. You know that you can't do anything about them. But uh, if UCLA uh, were to stay, there's not a more perfect partner. Excuse me, than San Diego State. So at that point, that would be awesome. But if it's not, you know, and it, I would say that there's like a 99.99% probability that it's not. Who do you invite them with? You know, we, that we've seen Gonzaga talk about. Uh, alignment, um, exploring different options. The, the, the commissioner was meeting with uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, you know, a couple weeks ago, exploring, you know, can we join? 
you know, is, is Gonzaga a good fit? And do you want to go heavy on basketball? I, I, I think it's a football world and that's where the money's to be made. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And, you know, as far as TV uh, providers, does, does the PAC 12 go all in on, you know, something like Amazon or uh, Hulu for their TV streaming um, and, or do they stay with the linear TV networks and, and, you know, kind of bank on the exposure, exposure that you'd get. It, <laughs> even though it might not be as much money. Yeah, I think I think next week has the potential to be a really big week in a lot of ways, right? Obviously, we have four teams that are vying for a, you know, a, a chance to be in the Pac-12 championship game with Utah and Oregon and then UCLA and USC. But on top of that, you do have that UC Regents meeting happening. I believe it's on November 17th where they are going to be talking about this. You know, they could take action and say, sorry, UCLA, you're going to stay in our system and um, do all that. Either way, I, I still think they're going to be kind of penalized in some way where they have to pay out to Cal some money, which, which is not an ideal situation for UCLA. And I just, I, quite honestly, I still don't understand the situation for UCLA and wanting to go to uh, going to the Big Ten. If, if you haven't had a chance to catch up with uh, the, the Wilner and Canzano podcast, go listen to the one that they had with uh, Bill Walton on there, and, and he kind of explains his frustrations with it. He's obviously a big UCLA supporter, booster, player. He's, you know, he's everything for UCLA, so that one's there. But on top of that, you also have the Pac-12 um, meeting next week. I, I think they're being, they're, they're timing this up uh, perfectly in the sense that they want to see what's happening with this Regents meeting. And then, you know, I, I don't know if this is a scenario where George Klyavkov has, you know, the 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 numbers that they've got and they just have to make a decision on, on broadcast rights and whatever that may be. I, you know, nobody knows really what that scenario is and it's a tight knit group that's, that's going to be able to have that, but this is all going to come right. Like I think next week there's going to be a lot of news. that's going to break from, from the PAC 12 footprint and um, it, it may mean nothing, right. It may mean that, that UCLA is still going to the big 10 and it may mean that you, uh, the big, the PAC 12 is still no, closer to a, a deal on media rights. But I think this is kind of the, the week that that's going to happen where, you know, once that's settled and once everything is kind of figured out that way, then you're going to start seeing some news, right? You're going to start seeing some stuff and, and uh, everything's going to be uh, interesting. And then you start wondering if San Diego state does come, do you get Gonzaga? Uh, it, 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 there, there's so much at play here. It's almost not even worth, you know, talking about it because it's just all speculative, right? And and to me, like, I'm not saying that Dan Patrick isn't a national voice. Obviously, there's a lot of people that tune into his radio show and, and listen to what he has to say. But to me, I just, I don't think that's the platform where people are going to, to give their news on media rights deals or San Diego State news or, you, you never know, right? I, I think there's a lot here that's that's being um, hidden. George Klavkoff is, is kind of keeping this really tight, uh, clearly, there's not a lot of leaks coming out, and I, and I think any noise that you do hear from that is is just speculative. Honestly, there's there's so many people, right? And, and you go back to the the initial news of when USC and UCLA first left to go to the Big Ten. There there were no sources. Everybody was 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 quiet. Right? There wasn't any leaks, um, and and so it, it is a little curious that, that you know you you kind of wonder. You know, and, and you've been in this industry long enough. It's like if you, if you do get a source, like what is the what is the intention here? Is it to is it is it legit? And usually, it is a legit source that is trying to do their best uh, in, in passing that information along. But there's usually something in it for the the person that potentially could be giving you the tip. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no motivation for them to do it. Right? Yeah, nobody's just whether, giving whether, free whether, information, whether leverage, or you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Usually somebody has it in it for them in order to even consider passing it along. Otherwise, why go through the effort of even doing it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, so as far as the Pac-12 goes, um, the Saturday, I guess Friday night, Colorado takes on USC. That one should be a blowout. Uh, we've got the, the big game up in Eugene with Washington host, uh, playing at Oregon. Uh, seven and two Washington versus uh, eight and one Oregon. That one could could be a potential good game. I mean, that's kind of a, a rivalry game outside of the Civil War for Oregon. Um, that uh, those two teams don't like each other in, no. in the Pacific Northwest. No. Uh, UCLA plays Arizona. They should they should roll on that one. So yeah, Oregon has uh, the toughest than, path right here, right? Like, I mean, I think yeah. of all the teams that have to. Uh, do their best. It's Oregon right now because they've got tough games. That Washington game, Utah, and then you've obviously got the, the in, Oregon in back State. Back weeks, too, exactly. Right? So, 
um, for for USC uh, questions regarding their defense. They gave up a ton of points to Cal uh, last week. You wonder, you know, if the if the line next week versus in the USC UCLA showdown is going to be like a hundred because I don't know if either defense is going to be able to <laughs> stop either team. No, and, and that's not a joke either. Bet the the over game every could time. be like fifty six to fifty. You know, whoever has the ball last is going to win because. I mean, I, I just don't see um, <laughs> USC being able to make the the wholesale changes needed to uh, to slow down this this uh, prolific UCLA offense and vice versa, right? Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that could that could be a very 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 high scoring game, and so that that one it as well as the Utah and Oregon game could be. Uh, yeah, those are obviously the games to watch. Um, and uh, they'll have national attention. So it'd be cool if Utah was able to get. Uh, game day exposure up in Eugene. I, I know that uh, ESPN's already been up there. I haven't really looked at the schedule for next week, but uh, that would be cool if Utah was able to pull it off and get the uh, just get the ex- extra exposure for the program. I I, I don't know. Hey, granted, it's not at your home stadium or whatnot, but I still think the teams talk uh, the the hosts talk about you. Um, you know, you have different interviews and whatnot. I think it'd just be cool for the program. Last time Utah was on game day was was it Jared Goff's. Um, 2016 Cal team uh, on, on a road game that or big, or at a home game. At uh, least. I feel like wasn't there one in 2019 or no, there wasn't. I don't uh, think so. I don't remember. I, I want to say it was the 2016. They've all just blended together. Honestly. I know that means you've covered the program too long. I know I can't um, honestly, I can't keep uh, a track of any of it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, on a different note, we have the running Utes tipping off tonight against, uh, look at you throwing Island basketball University. in there. Just trying. We have to. We have to. <laughs> this is our. You know, we had the the exhibition against Westminster. Uh, you were up there. Now they get to play the LIU Sharks tonight. Yeah. What 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 do you expect to see? You know, maybe not just tonight. You know, what what do you expect to see this season with Craig Smith's running Utes team? Yeah, this is an interesting team, right? Because on, on the surface, it looks like they've improved. They've got guys that are are probably more talented than what they had on the roster last season. Uh, from top to bottom, they they. They are more physical, but at the same time, there's a lot of rawness to the team, right? Like, you've still got veteran players. You've got a lot of guys that have been in the system quite a while. Brandon Carlson, honestly, he's he's going to continue to be a force, and I think, you know, barring any setbacks that he has this year, like another appendix <laughs> that bursts or, uh, you know, gets COVID again or something, I, I think he's on pace to have a really solid season. But the questions that I have really around this team come around with shooting you know, I, I I have faith that this team is going to be good defensively. They're going to be physical, at least on paper, uh, try to be a little bit better in, in terms of rebounding. That, I think, will drastically improve if you get Gavin Baxter a little bit more. He's still on kind of a minute's restrictions from his, his surgery last year. Um, but it, it's one of those scenarios where Utah needs to find guys that can score at a high rate and, and do it on a consistent basis, right? Like, th- there's a lot of guys that can shoot on this team, but it's it's just a matter of, of being able to do it on a consistent basis and, and, and doing it that way. So it, I'm curious to see how it goes. You know, the, these first few games aren't going to necessarily tell us anything. I think they're going to be ones where, you know, Craig tries to keep it a little vanilla, doesn't show much, try to keep the structure there, but not not too crazy. Um, but then you're really kind of gearing up for that TCU game where it's a top 25 team, a really solid team that's probably going to be one of the top teams in, in the country this year and, and, and being a, a a lock for a Sweet 16 team unless something happens. So I think that's going to be your biggest test, and you're kind of gearing yourself up for that as well as into Pac-12 play. Um, but I honestly, like I, I, at this point, until something changes, I think you're going to see pretty much a similar team uh, maybe they get some guys that are a little bit more athletic and, and can kind of do some stuff, maybe keep them in games that they, you know, were close in last year that they, they couldn't get over the top on. But honestly, like, it, it's still it's still a rebuild. It's still a time where, where Utah has to kind of keep hitting, keep has to get some more transfers or get more guys. Um, but you, you have to be optimistic with the direction that they're going. Any new faces that uh, Utah fans should take take a, a look at tonight? Uh, anybody that you think that will have a, a serious impact on this season? Yeah, Kaba Keda, he's one of those guys that he's a com- incredibly raw. He's a big guy that if you give him the ball around the rim, I mean, he's going to destroy that rim. The problem is, is he's very raw. Um, I think he's got a lot of things that he needs to work on to refine his game. Uh, but he's, he's going to be a fun athlete to be able to watch, especially with how they pair him with Brandon Carlson. 
Craig wants to, to have his dream scenario of having two bigs out there, and I think that's where he gets it. It's just a matter of if he can stay on the field or not on the field, on the court. Um, you've, you've got Will Exact. You've got Mike Saunders Jr. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody right here, but uh, you've, you've got some guys out there that are going to be good. And I, I quite honestly, I think one of Utah's best um, schemes that they're able to run is a small ball team. They've got a lot of guards that can be really quick. They can get in the lane. They can do a lot of things, kick out, do whatever they need to that way. So I'm curious to see how how Craig balances that. Does he go big and has his two bigs with Brandon and maybe a Kaba, or you know if he can get Gavin Baxter in there, or does he kind of keep it small at times and, and kind of mixes and matches that and really pressures teams and you know three quarter court press and, and different things that way. But I think they're I think going back to that first question that you asked, I think they're much more versatile this year and I think they can be flexible that way. So I think that'll be the interesting thing and, and to see how these guys kind of integrate into this new system. Uh, Utah is 22 and a half point favorites tonight against Long Island. And did you know Long Island is actually coached by former NBA all-star Rod Strickland? Yeah, baby. That, that'll be fun. Going blast from the past. I know, right? Um, yeah, it'll be fun. If you're looking for something to do, head up to the Huntsman Center, check out Craig, Craig Smith's program, and uh, we'll see if they can do a, a turnaround from their, from their last season. I know that things kind of got uh, – um, unraveled a little bit um I, their uh ceiling is a little bit higher than i would say it's it's still a tough basketball conference you know we have a lot of good teams in the pac-12 but uh, hopefully they'll they'll be able to compete and maybe we're going down to vegas and uh you know having uh, some optimism about them winning the tournament so you'll conference be, tournament not the, the ncaa tournament. you'll have more than one day to blow all your money at the casino is what you're saying i that's what i would hope there's nothing <laughs> worse than going down there dry, spend and then you know losing all of your money at the casino or wherever you might be, you know, placing your bets. And, you know, like your team loses that night. And it's like, oh, man, lost my money, lost my team lost. Those are always anyway. hard, hard trips to plan for. Are you there for one night? Are you there for four nights? I know. Like, what you, is you, got, you got to like allocate the amount of cash that you can take down there, right? If you know, it's like, oh man, like Utah could win. You, you got to take enough cash for two, three, you know, potentially four days. You can't just blow it all know. on the black track table that night, can you? 21. 21. <laughs> uh, it's, it's always, it's a, it's a, I'm, I'm glad that they have it there, though. It's a, it's a lot better than uh, Los Angeles was. Uh, it's just more of a uh, a friendly environment for for, for those sporting events. And, and T-Mobile Arena is great. The MGM Grand was, was great as well. But, I actually uh, liked yeah. the MGM Grand better. I felt like it was a... It, maybe it was... I, I wouldn't even call it campy, but it felt more of like a... Uh, I don't, I don't know. It just had a better vibe of, of everybody kind of coming through the casino and, and going into that arena and then coming out and all the fans are there. T-Mobile, they're spread out enough off the strip that it, it, it's it's a good environment. It's obviously a really nice arena and they've done a really good job there, but it just doesn't, it feels more corporate if that makes sense. Sure. And, and it'll be a lot harder to fill that thing, right? You oh, know, for sure. Double, triple the capacity. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it, it'll it'll be fun. I you know, I'm I'm optimistic uh, for Craig Smith's team. I think that they could do well, but uh, you know they have a tough task ahead, and you know we'll see. You know they've they've brought in some good players off the transfer portal, and um, you know nothing more than I'd love to for them to to go on a run and and uh, you know, kind of make a splash in the conference. So we'll see. You got uh, yeah running you tonight, and then you got Utah versus Stanford Saturday eight o'clock on ESPN. Should be a fun one. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be a fan when you have the the both the uh, college basketball and college football seasons underway. And so here we go. Yeah, if you want to double dip, you can go get the women's basketball team before the men's. They start at five thirty. Then the men's is at, that tonight? Yeah, nine o'clock. That's who a, do they play? They play. Who was it? It was. Uh, I just looked at it. Now you had to put me on the spot, didn't you? I know. I uh, I saw your article. Oh, it's earlier. Idaho. It's Idaho. That's Idaho. right. Okay. Yeah, so they, you know, look, that that's a fun team, right? Like, I think Lynn Roberts is is doing a good job there, and uh, you know, Utah's Utah's teams are, are are kind of coming up. It's 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 even more difficult on the women's side for for basketball. They've got a lot of talented teams, and uh, you know, the Pac-12 is kind of the conference in in the country that that is one of the best. So uh, it it'll be interesting. So it, to see how that works. I, I do have one more question to ask you, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot too uh -huh. much, but Utah just got the top recruit in women's gymnastics. Tell us about that, because I saw that you reported on that. Um, 
I mean, do you, is, is there anything that you can tell us about, you know, Tom and the recruiting efforts that he's been able to do or uh, anything that you can expand on there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the, the interesting thing here is uh, I'm blanking on her name and it's it's a 2024 recruit. So it's it's not going to be for a bit. 2024? Uh, yes. So she's the top recruit for 2024, uh, which is just a year away, right? Like, I mean, that's how it is. Utah got sure. a uh, top recruit f- that's coming in next year as well. Uh, another five-star athlete that uh, I think she's, I think it was Elizabeth Ganther. I think she's now number four or something like that. I can't remember what it is exactly. Um, but look, this is a program that continues to be on the rise. I mean, it's it's crazy to say that a team that's been in the every single NCAA championship uh, has is on the rise. But I think what Tom is doing is is really good up there. He's he's been able to to maintain what the Marsdens did, keep the trajectory, keep building. If anything, you know, I, last year I talked to Greg Marston about about Tom and what he's done, and uh, he he said. You know, Tom was the perfect fit because he saw the vision the same way that Greg saw the vision, right? Like he built the program in a way that he knew he could kind of see the trajectory rise. And I think you're starting to see that. You're, you're getting Tom building recruiting classes that are stacking. That's what they talk about in any sport, right? Can you stack classes and, and continue to do that? But quite honestly, you know, as well as Tom has done in the recruiting game and what he's done to identify talent, the NIL collective for the gymnastics world, Utah is one of the best in the country. So it's, it's interesting, and, and it's, it's something that I want to, you know, get into this year is, is the NIL collective, especially in women's gymnastics, and kind of what that is. Because, you know, a lot of fans want to complain about football and how Utah's not you know, a factor in, in an NIL as much as maybe some these other teams in the country. But the reality is, is that Utah gymnastics is kind of like the Alabama, the Georgia or whatever that is of gymnastics. And so it's interesting to see that world and trying to see how it, how it shifts and, and turns and, and how Utah has been able to be successful with that. But I think, you know, they're another team that's going to continue to have a lot of talent. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's another team that very well should win the PAC 12 championship and maybe win a national championship this year. I think this was the year they were building toward. Uh, so it's it, it'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of success up there, and Tom is a lot to to thank for that. Yeah, that her name was Avery Neff. That's uh, right, 2024 recruit. She's from Utah. Uh, crazy. Too. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, the women's gymnastics program always is a, a raucous crowd at the Huntsman Center. If you've never been to a women's gymnastics meet, the uh, it reminds me a lot of what men's basketball used to be under like the Keith Van Horn, Michael Doliak days. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that play, I mean, you know, I remember uh, the Utah, it was the top 25 matchup versus Wake Forest and you had Tim Duncan versus Keith Van Horn. It was, it was an incredible atmosphere. They had a laser show at halftime. It, I mean, <laughs> uh, amazing. That, I mean, at, at my roots, I mean, that's what I would love Utah basketball to be able to get back to that. I mean, that would be um, a dream come true right there, but uh We'll see. And Craig Smith's got his work ahead of him. Uh, they've got a long road ahead, long road ahead, and but hopefully they can make some roads. Uh, and starts tonight. So uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. Um, we love bringing it to you. Um, we have a a, a lot of fun uh, talking to Solomon Enos, wide receiver at the University of Utah, every week. And we'll see if we can get a basketball player for hoop season uh, to come join us and give us some insight on on the run in Utes. Maybe even some women's gymnastics if there's, uh, you know, if Josh wants to do that. I don't know. It's up to you, man. Hey, I'm just everything's here for the possible. You're just here for the. You're here to show your pretty face, right? <laughs> and, and to eat the tacos, um, <laughs> and donuts, hot wings, anything else we want to bring up on our on our food podcast. <laughs> Somebody sponsor us with food already, right? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> All right, thanks guys for listening. We'll check you out next time.